Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we got... Nobody! Yay! It's just us two. <laughs> it takes two to make a cold podcast. <laughs> it takes two and we're gonna have a blast. <laughs> I would have gone just the two of us, but... Uh, just the two of us making podcasts when we try. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. I like the high pitch part. <laughs> uh, Just the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great episode. Uh, it's a real weird one, but not in a bad way. Uh, it's got a it's got a fun ending and everything. It's, I really love doing this. This was such a fun episode. This is a great one off. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're going to love it. Before we get started, we've got uh, some news. Um, oh, this is a piece of news I forgot to share earlier in the episode. I'm filming a thing for Amazon Prime's uh, Laugh After Dark this weekend, Saturday in Vegas. If you're there, come out. If you're not, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I mean, don't don't please don't mask up be careful you know um there's limited tickets available you can find a link in my bio uh hey did you know you could listen to it hey Paige, do you know that you could yeah. listen to this show on rooster teeth cock-a-doodle-doo <laughs> <laughs> hey you can go to roosterteeth.com check out all the awesome stuff they have there it shows like camp betrayal uh podcasts like good morning from hell uh, and also Colt Podcast. You can go to roosterteeth.com or you can download the app on your Amazon Fire Stick, your Roku television, your Xbox, your mobile device. That's it. No more. I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> but yeah, go get that. Um, also, we have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Colt Podcast. Check out all the tiers and rewards we have there. Uh, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Before you listen to this, you got to get vaccinated, by the way. If you're not vaccinated, you can't listen to this podcast anymore. <laughs> I'm saying it. There's no way for us to check that. but And obviously, I know some of you have medical exemptions. What, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Try to be as safe as possible. Medical exemption is my only exemption. But if, if for everyone else, you pause the episode right now and show me your vaccine card. <laughs> Tweet it to me. <laughs> Hold it up against your phone. We'll be able to see it. <laughs> Tweet it to me. Actually, don't. Please don't. I get too many DMs already, and I can't respond to all of them. You're all very nice, but if you all send me pictures of your vaccine card, I'm going to delete my Twitter. Send them pics. Oh, my God. Send DM them. <laughs> Make him delete Twitter. Uh, no. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck. My mom's been begging me for years. All right. Um, yeah, without any further ado, let's get into the show. Hello. 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 Just the two of us. <laughs> Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these, these are, are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Nobody. Nobody. It's just us. 
It's just us. The gang's all here. By the gang, I mean just us. Yay! Yay! <laughs> we have. Uh, we are. We're good. Uh, we've been trapped inside for a couple days, quarantining, making trapped sure everything's inside. good. Yeah, I finally get that Bo Burnham shit now, huh? Oh, oh yeah. Crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy how just being inside and alone for so long will make you just be like, <laughs> I got to make art. <laughs> Word. Um, <laughs> I, I've been baking. my So I had COVID and then Jake caught COVID. Yeah. Not at the same time, which would, would have been like convenient. No, uh, I got it, got mostly better. Mm-hmm. And then Jake got it. So now I've been like, take care of Jake, but we've just been trapped inside. Well, there's also the saddest addition to this story because Jake's not oh. the only one who got yeah. it. Yeah. Well, well, okay. Also, um, my parents got it, although they are getting better. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> From me. Thank you. Uh, because oh. I didn't have symptoms yet. And I saw them because I didn't know I'd been exposed. And if I knew I'd been exposed, I would have just stayed home. And they were negative for like a long time where yeah. they tested like four or five times. And I was like, oh, thank God they didn't get it. And then they got it. And I was like. Frick me. Like, this is totally my fault. And I, there was no way to prevent it. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> it feels- but then also, the one that I think you were referring to. Yeah. Uh, our cat got COVID. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to laugh, but I like I forgot that that could happen. He, I did too, and he's fine. But like... He was sneezing and I was like, you know, when he was a baby, he had some respiratory infections and Mm -hmm. we used to, you know, when he would sneeze, we'd have to like get him some antibiotics and stuff. And he hadn't sneezed in forever. And so all of a sudden, like a week ago, he's sneezing nonstop. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) So because I can't like take him to the vet or anything because we're sick. Uh, So I call the vet and I'm like, hey, can you call me? And I'll tell you what's going on and then maybe, you know, like send a prescription. We'll order it or something like we'll figure out a way. (laughs) And uh, so I get on the phone with his vet who's seen him since he was a baby. And she was like, does he have any other symptoms? I was like, no, he's just sneezing constantly. She's like, "Okay, well, is there anything that could have stressed him out in the home? And I was like, well, Jake and I both caught COVID. And she was like, oh, your cat has COVID. (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? She was just like. It can catch it from humans. And I'm like, is he going to die? Like, is he okay? And she's like, oh, he'll be fine. Like, cats fight it off immediately. She's like, he's going to sneeze for a couple days. If he sneezes for longer than a week, call me again. But, like, he's fine. Yeah. Uh, But you need to quarantine that cat. And I was like, from us? From the world? She's like, oh, he just can't go outside. And I'm like, we live in Los Angeles. (laughs) This is an indoor cat. This has always been an indoor cat because there's both coyotes and traffic. It's not good odds for cats (laughs) in the wild. Yeah, just the the worst place for a cat to live. Yeah, well, I mean, not because he's got a cat tree and cereal that tastes like meat. That's fine. (laughs) You know, I didn't mean in your house. I just meant Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which just we have unnatural and natural predators just outside waiting to kill anything. <laughs> yeah, the only thing under cat on the food chain here is roach. So like, <laughs> and that's that's just for now. They're getting stronger, Paige. Yeah, that, I mean that's about to be a fair fight if things get much worse. So anyway, so for a few days, me, Jake, and the cat were not allowed to go outside at all. Oh my god. So. 
There you go. Don't get it. Get vaccinated. Mask up. Uh, if you think you have it, test so that you can notify people and ideally prevent them from getting it. You yeah. Know? And don't trust cats. And don't trust cats. Um, if a cat is sneezing, run away. Um, there you go. <laughs> well, we have uh, uh, we have a very interesting story this week. I I am so excited <laughs> about this one. I we got this one sent in to us by uh, none other than Bobby Bobby Timothy himself sent this over yes. to us uh, with a bunch of articles. And the initial story that I started reading was really, really good. Just very crazy. And then I started falling down all of these rabbit holes and finding so much more weird shit. Uh, I get so excited with these one-off, just weird, weird episodes, you know? Just because you find the most insane bullshit over and over and over. Yeah, I mean, this was one that, like, Bobby had sent us a while ago. And I kind of, like, read a couple of the articles on it was like, this is fucking nuts. When I get a chance, we should read this. And then as we both were super sick, yeah. we were like, well, okay, let's find a way <laughs> to do something. <laughs> Guess we're going to push back some of the series we had planned. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But I'm really, really excited. This was the first, this was the perfect thing to read uh, about while trying to feel better. So, 39-year-old Diego Sanchez is one of the most respected fighters to ever hop into the octagon. He's fought in more Fight of the Year events than any other UFC competitor. He's one of two fighters to compete in four different weight classes. And in 2019, he was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame while still being an active fighter. Diego's long and legendary career is impressive as hell. Which makes it really weird that he was unceremoniously let go from the UFC earlier this year. And it's not like he was set to retire or anything. The UFC just announced the split a few weeks before Diego was scheduled to fight on May 8th. To an outsider, it might look like a disagreement on pay or maybe even an injury that caused him to step back. But, as is tradition here on Colt Podcast, the truth is so much weirder than you could have possibly imagined. Diego's split from UFC was prompted by his trainer and spiritual leader, Joshua Fabia, the man who controlled every aspect of Diego's life. Oh, boy. This Damn. Is, this is a weird... I know I keep saying that, but it really is just, I want you to keep that in mind, is that it seems like such a straightforward story, but this takes so many weird turns along the way that (laughs) I did not see coming. Before we get started, uh, I've got a couple sources for us. We have an article on MMA fighting stats by the MMA clan written by Dmitry Ivanov. Uh, There's a lot of those types of names in here, by the way. (laughs) People sound like KGB agents, and I love it. Uh, we have a video essay on Joshua Favia by the YouTube channel. It's not cage fighting. Uh, we have the article, a, Bre- a brief background on Diego Sanchez by Phoenix Del Rey. Uh, we have the article, my first fight, Diego Sanchez by Ben Folks. Uh, we have the sports illustrated article war and peace in Jackson's gym by L John Wertheim and multiple quotes from Joshua Fabia's own personal website. All right. So Diego Sanchez was born on New Year's Eve 1981 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He was the only child his Mexican parents had, and by all accounts, he had a pretty normal upbringing. 
uh, except for the fact that by high school, he could beat the ever-loving shit out of anybody. He Damn. Was, there's pictures of him as a child, by the way, where he is just fucking flexing and buff as shit. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, literally, he's five years old, and he's just like, yeah, I'll fight anyone. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> From a very early age, Diego's dad had gotten the boy into boxing and professional wrestling. And this interest in fighting with fanfare grew until he became the state wrestling champion in his senior year. It was clear to everybody the boy could fight. After graduation, Diego became a boxer. Uh, sort of. He got a job at UPS. Boom. <laughs> Technically a boxer. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. He's the only UPS delivery driver you don't want to complain to when your package is late. <laughs> He's like, I'll bring it when I say I'll bring it. You're okay. just like, you you will. You will. Oh, my God. Were you a buff five-year-old? You are intimidating. <laughs> Jesus. I'm just picturing instead of ringing a doorbell, he just like hits your door with a folding chair <laughs> to let you know your package is there. I like that MMA and UPS do go together because they do have the same short shorts that you have to wear. <laughs> Uh, but delivering packages was just his day job as he tried to hone his wrestling skills with the hopes of becoming an MMA fighter. The same dream that he had had since he was an incredibly buff child. <laughs> and the first step to achieving that dream was meeting a man named Greg Jackson. Now, Greg's origin story is a little bit different from Diego's. For one, Greg Jackson comes from a long line of Quaker wrestlers. Uh, yeah, you heard me right. The, he comes from a long line of wrestlers who were also devout Quakers. Whoa. I did not know that was a thing. Me neither. Also, aren't Quakers like pacifists? Yes, typically. <laughs> That's why they're so good at wrestling. Because <laughs> all they're wrestling against is a bunch of pacifists. And they're like, yeah, we're the best fighters we've ever had. And they're like, well, technically Quakers don't. And then his family was like, what'd you say? Nerd. <laughs> what'd you say? Fucking nerd. Bitch ass nerd. God. Oh, that's, I mean, that's fascinating and weird at the same time. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. I I, had, I mean, here, here's what I'll say. If they're treating it as a sport, I guess that's like it's fighting, but it's not. Like, they're often pacifists in, like, war. Yeah. I don't think they're... So, the, the whole point is, like, you're not trying to hurt somebody. You're trying to right, win. Right. So when Greg was three years old, his family relocated from the Midwest to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Although they picked a pretty rough neighborhood to settle in, and Greg's response to this was to get really good at MMA so he could, quote, defend himself. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what kind of, like troubled neighborhood you're living in where you think that you can just solve it with like wrestling moves but i don't know i grew up in los angeles so i feel like if anybody was trying to start shit with me and i was like okay let's get into position so we could wrestle they would shoot me i would be dead yeah immediately makes absolutely, absolutely. no sense <laughs> so that's what that's what greg said greg's greg jackson says that he got really into mma so that he could defend himself but if you ask the high school that he got kicked out of, it was uh, he was kind of a troublemaker that was always starting and ending fights. <laughs> Gee, what a surprise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
After graduating from high school, a different high school, mind you, uh, Greg started working on his own form of MMA that he called Gaido Jutsu, which is Japanese for the way of the streets. Ooh, so that sounds fucking badass as shit. Yeah. He's like an actual street fighter. <laughs> yeah, you have to put a quarter in his ass before he does anything. <laughs> He's just hadoukening UPX boxes at people. <laughs> He's just, it's the bonus level where he destroys the car and somebody comes out and he's like, oh, dude, come on, fuck. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to complain because you look like a scary pacifist. Uh, <laughs> Gaido Jutsu incorporates basic judo locks, grappling, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I was able to do some research on it and, and I asked a couple people who are big fans of MMA and it sounds like it's just kind of the generic style for MMA before there was anything to call MMA, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's just, it's that's really what it is. It's basic judo, it's grappling, it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu with a, a small amount of striking that goes in there, um, but a lot of it is to kind of counteract that that striking ability so you don't really have to be very good at hitting people uh but you can choke somebody the fuck out yeah absolutely in 1992 greg followed his childhood dream and opened up a fight school a school where there's less reading and writing and more punching kicking and choking people the fuck out sounds about right and his style and methods of training have been proven to be some of the best in the world his students include several successful UFC fighters, a two-time Olympic boxer, and even international hero and certified legend Steve fucking Irwin. What? Wait. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. This this might uh, be less than tasteful, mm -hmm. but I feel like if this style was that great, Steve might still be with us and that Stingray would be fighting <laughs> alley fights where it belongs. Yeah, the problem is, is he learned Gaido Jutsu, which is the way of the streets. He needed to learn Ocean Jutsu, which is the, <laughs> the way, the of, way the of the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, apparently the fucking, apparently Steve Irwin was like super big into MMA. And I read that and I was like, oh, my God, surely they don't mean Steve Irwin. Surely there's like a UFC fighter named Steve Irwin. <laughs> and then I looked up Steve Irwin Gaido Jutsu and there's just pictures of him doing Gaido Jutsu in his fucking uniform that he always <laughs> wore. I don't know why you're surprised that a man who used to use wrestling holds on alligators was into MMA. Like, <laughs> He's playing on a level that MMA fighters could only dream of. Like, they're still <laughs> wrestling people. He's wrestling what's left over of the dinosaurs. <laughs> I also like that he is dressed exactly like a UPS driver, too. <laughs> That's the key to Gaido Jutsu. <laughs> you That's how you can hadouk in boxes <laughs> and grapple with alligators. Oh my god. Yeah, it's so it, it's so great. It's so great to see a picture. If you are at home and you need to feel better, just not even now, just at any point, just Google Steve Irwin Gaido Jutsu and see that picture of him with his boxing gloves and his little uniform just fucking hitting somebody who has a face like, oh my god, I'm getting kicked by Steve Irwin. This is awesome. <laughs> and then, but from Steve Irwin's point of view, that guy's face is a crocodile. <laughs> like, that's how he needs to, he needs to, like, picture them as crocs so that he can kill them. <laughs> Greg Jackson's students, uh, oh wait, I already said that. 
Real talk though, Greg Jackson is considered to be one of the greatest MMA trainers and coaches in the sports history. However, in recent years, his gym has gotten a lot of press, not because of their success, but because of their apparent love for conspiracy theories and QAnon. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. From We're, save the children from being harvested for adrenochrome by sleeper holding <laughs> the president. From hosting oh, events with armed QAnon supporters, and I mean armed, not I mean they have arms, yes, but <laughs> also they have a lot of guns. I don't know if you know, but just like Con Air, their arms are registered weapons. <laughs> From hosting, uh, uh, from hosting events with armed QAnon supporters to even putting a giant Q sign above their gym for several weeks, the group has made it clear that they have a pretty extreme belief system. Oh, man. This isn't going to factor into the story much, but it is an important note that these are the kind of people that Diego Sanchez surrounded himself with before he even met this guy we're going to talk about later. All right. They're, Dang. They're a very intense group of people with some pretty out there beliefs that he was just like, yeah, it sounds fine to me. I don't care. What do I care? I fucking deliver packages and punch people. I don't give a fuck. Right. So Diego Sanchez started training with Greg Jackson around the year 2001 when Diego was about 19 years old. And after only 10 months, he earned a spot at the UFC event Ring of Fire in 2002, where it became clear that he was determined to become one of the best fighters in the league. And this story behind the fight is fucking crazy. A week before it was scheduled to take place, he and his cousin, Diego and his cousin, had been at a house party drinking and having a good time. It wasn't anything crazy. It was just a couple of brews with the boys. Uh, however, the boys were only 20 years old, which is... Oh, they were literally boys. Yeah, they were not old enough to be drinking uh and when the police showed up to shut down the party diego and his fellow underage cousin decided that they needed to get the hell out of dodge so they sprinted out of the back door started jumping fences and desperately tried to outrun the cops now i want to be very clear here from everything that i've read about this party the cops basically came to be like hey can you guys turn down the noise and then, <laughs> and then diego sanchez and his cousin went cops book it and then ran out the back Scatter! door <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just start fucking it the cops are like that was fucking weird i guess i don't know can you guys just like turn it down a little bit and maybe get some more turquoise in here it is new mexico so <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately after the after diego and his cousin split up to make themselves harder to catch diego hopped a fence into a backyard with three full-grown rottweilers oh shit that were not super jazzed about him being there and in well yeah yeah in order i mean they could smell that he was a delivery driver <laughs> the natural enemy of the dog he hops the fence and the dogs are like i'd smell those shorts anywhere you son of a bitch <laughs> You smell like packing tape. <laughs> 
So he jumps into this into this backyard with three full grown Rottweilers, and in order to avoid, I don't know why I can't say Rottweiler. It turns me into a dog where I'm just like three full grown. He he opt the fence with three full grown Rottweilers, and in order to avoid getting torn to shreds, he jumped the closest fence that he could find. A fence that separated the backyard from a 20 foot drop. Yikes. According to Diego, he hit the ground so hard that the air bubbles in his Nikes popped. And, wh- Damn. and while he didn't get arrested, he did injure his heel so badly that he was unable to walk for the next few days. But injuries are just excuses to Greg Jackson, and the fighter was told to take some ibuprofen, tape up his foot, and continue preparing for the fight. It's safe Damn. to say that Diego started his first fight as kind of an underdog. <laughs> He was already injured, and he was using some weird form of street jujitsu against a fighter who was known to beat the shit out of his opponents with a barrage of punches and kicks. So very early on, things did not look great for him. And within the first round of his first fight, Diego's face was beaten and bloodied. But he didn't give up on his technique. In the second round, he landed a huge takedown, locked in a rear naked chokehold, and got his opponent to tap out, winning by submission. And this Damn. this isn't super pertinent to the story, by the way, but just wanted to mark this down. Uh, the winnings that he got for his first fight totaled only $600. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not enough for you to bloody my face. No, exactly. Just being real. This is like headlining yeah. your first show and they're like, cool, here's a drink ticket. There you go. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. And also we're going to have this man beat the shit out of you. Bye. Bye. Yeah. But more important to Diego was the respect that he earned. He had secured a victory in his first fight despite all of the odds stacking up against him. And he had earned himself a really cool nickname the nightmare because he beats you so badly you don't want a rematch which he claims is a nightmare i mean he keeps saying it like it's this really cool like play on words and it's like diego it's not i mean here's my question did he give himself that nickname i think he did okay because sometimes you get nicknames and you don't really get a choice in that like (laughs) Like, the first person to call me Rampage Wesley was college. Yeah. And that's why it was my Instagram handle, because that's when I got an Instagram. And then it stuck through Roast Battle. And it sounds kind of cool, so yeah. you keep it. But, like, if somebody had been just like, hey, Tubbo, I was like, yeah, we're not going to keep that one. <laughs> like, it's fine. Yeah, like, or how I got my nickname, Stinky Little Pay Pig. Mm. <laughs> Stinky Little Pay Pig? Mm. The moaning is part of it. It's a very <laughs> No, I think what happened is they were like, So what do you want to call yourself? And he was like, The nightmare. And they were like, Well, I don't I mean that doesn't that doesn't really make sense. And then he just looked at them and could kill them with his hands and they were like, You know what? Yeah, the nightmare's fine. That's cool. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. <clears throat> Sounds good. Sounds good. He also he later in his career, by the way, just as an aside, later in his career. He tries to take a more positive route and starts calling himself the dream. And everyone is like, 
that sucks. And he, <laughs> he did it for like three fights and then was just like, yeah, I'm the nightmare. I'm the nightmare. I've always been the nightmare. Uh, that's what we're going to do. But things for Diego were finally starting to pay off. By 2019, Diego Sanchez had solidified his spot as a UFC legend with one hell of a career. After his 2002 debut that we just talked about, he racked up an impressive 11-0 undefeated streak. He won the UFC's reality show, The Ultimate Fighter, and he became a main card attraction almost instantly. And over the next 17 years after his debut, he just continued to impress. Like I said earlier, he fought in four different weight classes, which is something almost unheard of in the sport. There is only one other person to have accomplished that same feat. He had a fight so brutal that it was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. And at 37 years old, he was still fighting and winning against guys that were over a decade younger than him. Damn. But one thing that always seemed to overshadow his abilities was how fucking weird he was as a person. (laughs) (laughs) He did all of this fucking weird shit and I found a bunch of it and I just, I gotta share this stuff with you because it has been living in my head for the past several days. Diego Sanchez apparently loves, loves asparagus, but he absolutely refuses to eat the stalks. So what he does is he will cook up a full batch of asparagus, eat just the heads, and then throw everything else away. That's like 80% (laughs) of the asparagus. The best. The best the best instance of this is, like I said, he was on the the UFC's reality show, The Ultimate Fighter, which is basically right. like the real world, but they beat the shit out of each other at the end of the episode. Love it. Uh, Love it. And there's, a, there's an episode where another competitor comes over to him in the kitchen, and he's like, uh, hey, Diego, so like, um, I noticed that like you made the asparagus, and then like you didn't eat the stocks, and that's like... 80% of the asparagus. <laughs> so it's almost like, you know, there's other people who live here too. And then it cuts to like this confessional with Diego Sanchez. And he's like, this motherfucker thinks I don't know what asparagus is. So in my head, I'm like, what are you going to do about it? And then it cuts back to the actual scene. And Diego just goes, yeah, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. He's like in my head. And then it comes out of his head. Via his mouth at the other person. He almost starts a fight with another man (laughs) over asparagus and what is and isn't part of it. Because that's the other thing. Eventually, the fight stopped being about, hey, you wasted asparagus. Please don't do that. And became, what is asparagus? (laughs) (laughs) That's like if I was arguing that pizza is just the crust. Yeah, it's, it's it's so dumb. It's so dumb and it makes me so upset. He also loved to regularly drench himself in icy hot or baby oil, cover his entire body in saran wrap, and then fall asleep looking like essentially the leftovers your mom makes you take home after you come over for dinner. Uh, There was also the time that he made his way to the ring while holding up a silver crucifix and speaking in tongues until he arrived in the octagon. (laughs) Whoa, and this is before he met his spiritual leader. Yeah, this is just him being a weird (laughs) fucking guy. God, can you imagine? Like, at a certain point, I'd be like, 
is it okay for me to fight this person? Right. Because I don't know if that's okay. Like, I don't know if this person is of sound mind. I don't know if they can agree to this fight, like, legally. Yeah. Yeah, keep that in mind, by the way. Also, the thing with the the, the crucifix really threw me off because I was like, oh, this is a bit, right? They're like, this is a right. this is a bit. This is funny. And then I kept reading about Diego Sanchez, devout Christian, all right? Like, real, real into Christ. So there was this thing where he was holding up this crucifix and he was like, my enemy has something evil inside of him and I'm going to beat it out of him. And I was like, God damn, Diego. What the fuck? It's like he's going to go in there and perform an exorcism, not <laughs> like a UFC fight. Holy shit. Yeah, he watched the movie The Exorcist and was like, if that was me, I would have choked that little fucking girl out. Yeah. <laughs> Move your head around. Doesn't matter. I still got you. You're still here. <laughs> I still got you. <laughs> oh, my God. He also, Diego also called himself the quote unquote Zen master. And was known to drop down and start practicing yoga like a soldier who would drop down and start doing push-ups. He would just do it without warning whenever he felt it was necessary. He's I mean, that is the least weird thing oh. in a list of three extremely weird things that you have listed. Paige, he has no idea what yoga is. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, wait, I spoke to you soon. What I mean by he would start doing yoga is he would take his shirt off. He would cover himself in baby oil. And then he would just start going and flexing really hard. And people would be like, what are you doing? And he's like, yoga. Oh, no. It makes no sense. He There was a couple times where he would almost get, like, a yoga pose, like, close Going. to it. Yeah. But then he would just, like, look up, start flexing his muscles and be like, yeah, I'm so fucking enlightened right now. Uh. Oh, my God. Whew. He said that he was extremely spiritual and that he even had a ritual. This this is a ritual that showed up on that TV show, by the way, the, the Ultimate Fighter. Reading about these things, by the way, makes me want to watch The Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. He had a ritual where he would dance outside during lightning storms in order to extract the lightning's energy and place it inside of his own body. I mean... It sounds like a blast. Yeah, it sounds, it sure does when the lightning hits you. But I am concerned. (laughs) But at the same time, I mean, uh, well, here's the other part of it is I'm like, that's not a part of the Christian belief system. It is a part of a lot of indigenous belief systems, but not any that he supposedly is a part of. So it's like appropriative, but also not. Like, he doesn't understand everything that goes into it. It's strange, is what I'm going to call it. I will say this. I am conflicted on some of the things he does because sometimes he will say and do things that I'm like, that's a bit. That's the unmistakable mark of somebody doing a bit. And he knows it's a bit. Like, you could, like, he'll laugh, you know. And then other times he'll do something and he is 1,000% serious. So I I cannot get a read on this guy where he's either the greatest comedian of all time or (laughs) he is like part insane. And honestly, either way, I fucking love it. I'm a big Diego Sanchez (laughs) fan now. You're like, why'd they fire for the UFC? This is just getting good. I'm real into Diego right now. 
While all of these things sound like different kinds of weird, they actually have one common through line. These are all things that he does to maintain his peak physical fitness and to work towards maintaining his spot as one of the greatest UFC fighters in the world. The thing with the asparagus is his claim was that the head is where there's the most nutrients. Is that real? I don't think so. Not at all. <laughs> but he believes it's real. And at a certain point, that's kind of all so that matters. Like that's, yeah, that's why he's doing it. The icy hot thing in the baby oil and covering yourself in saran wrap is because he misunderstood the directions on a case of icy hot one time. <laughs> and he was like, it says cover the affected area. I feel bad all over. Ipso facto, cover whole body. Oh, no. Uh, oh the thing God. with the lightning and the and the cross was like that's him trying to psych people out or actually trying to take in the energy. Either way, these are all things that he's doing so that he can maintain his physical powers and maintain how good he is as a competitor. Right. Because, as I said earlier, in 2019, Diego was 37 years old. He had already... He was already regarded as a legend. He had a long and storied career. And outside of the octagon, he also had a wife and a child. All of this to say the people in his life were a little shocked that he hadn't retired yet. And I want to be clear, the age thing is not as big of a factor as I initially thought it was. According to the stats that uh according to the stats, a UFC fighter seems to hit their prime about six to seven years after they debut. Which means that you do have active fighters that are going in until their mid-40s with little to no issue. In fact, one of the most famous fighters I can think of, Anderson Silva, who is an who was at least an active fighter until last year, he's like 46, all right? So it's, it's, it's not as big of an issue as I initially thought. You have people that just keep going because, you know, it's fine. But the problem is that the average career length of an MMA fighter is about 12 and a half years. Diego yeah. Sanchez in 2019 had been fighting for about 17 years. Damn. And the important people in his life were starting to get worried about him. And he did not care at all. All that mattered to Diego was maintaining his legacy. And unfortunately, he was starting to see the consequences of his decision. Early in 2019, Diego and his wife announced their separation, citing personal differences. She wanted her husband to retire, and he refused to even entertain the idea. Hmm. Later that year, he also parted ways with Greg Jackson, his longtime friend and personal trainer for over a decade. It seems like Diego voiced a concern that other fighters had been making for years. Greg Jackson showed more attention to his younger fighters because they were the ones that could gain the gym the most publicity. And there had been multiple instances of this complaint, including a fight not, in, not involving Diego, but including a fight where both competitors were trained by Greg Jackson, but the gym only decided to back one of them, the younger fighter. And what makes mm. the Diego situation even sadder is that Greg Jackson's gym really rose to stardom after Diego pioneered Gaido Jutsu during his time with the UFC. He was the first fighter to come out of the gym and really show that there was something to this fucking way of the street style fighting. According to Diego himself, 2019 was a bit of a nightmare for a man who called himself the Nightmare. 
and all of this inner turmoil is bubbling inside of him as he prepares to face off against Mickey Gall in early March. And as we've seen time and time again on this show, that is the perfect time to come face to face with a cult leader. Enter Joshua Fabia. Here is a direct quote from Diego Sanchez on the time that he met Joshua Fabia. Quote, I'm training for the fight. I'm taking a little bit of my own inner anger out. And the gym is closed. I'm in the bathroom. And this little guy, very small, starts walking up. I don't know what it was about my intuition, but he was walking up very smooth. I've never seen a human being walk that smooth. I point my finger at him and I go, hey, what do you do? And I'm going through a hard time right now. I'm going through a divorce. I didn't really have anyone that would talk to me about it. And before you know it, I felt like I was in a counseling session. End quote. Mm. Yeah. Joshua Fabia, a.k.a. the incredibly smooth walking man. Don't know what that means. <laughs> I really don't know what I'm that means. I'm picturing him just moonwalking through the hallways. <laughs> it's just this tiny man fucking moonwalking. He looks at Diego and goes, hey, man, what's up? Yeah, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay? (laughs) Joshua Fabia is a 38-year-old self-proclaimed guru and spiritual healer from Albuquerque, New Mexico. (laughs) His interest in spiritual healing started when he was nine years old after his grandfather suffered from a brain aneurysm. According to Joshua, he split his time between working as a sort of physical therapist and being an elementary school student uh, and worked with his grandfather to reach an 85% recovery. Although what his website doesn't mention is uh, the fact that his grandfather passed away two years later due to health complications stemming from the initial aneurysm. So... Yeah, it doesn't really seem like he did all that much. That seems like 0%. Yeah, it seems like he was nine years old and he was trying to get his grandfather to do jumping jacks. And his family was like, yeah, Joshua, you're doing great. You're doing awesome, bud. Yeah. In 2009, around the time that he was 27, Joshua Fabia opened up JF Hardcore Fitness a Texas-based self-defense gym that offered classes in something called Commando Krav Maga and also offered sports massages. Um, I don't think I'd ever want to get a massage from a place that had hardcore in its name. Uh, Well, the fact that it's hardcore and commando, I'm like, is this a porn studio? Yeah, we don't give a happy ending, but we do give an aggressive one. Right, right, right. <laughs> Put your dick in a chokehold, dude. No, I'm just picturing somebody like sleeper holding a dick, just like, Shh. come on. Shh. Cut. Cut. <laughs> I haven't done a ton of digging into Commando Krav Maga, but even a cursory Google search will bring up criticisms and claims that it's what the MMA community calls bullshito oh we have addressed bullshito before but it's been a long time if you remember uh i think it's uh happy happy mother's day the fiduce bag dojo i think is the name of the episode that that is a common term for when people try to make up martial arts without actual training yeah 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 it's it's one of my favorite phrases (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just so good. Uh, the main points of the controversy surrounding Commando Krav Maga and its founder, a man who kind of fudges the facts on his involvement with the Israeli military, um, is that it isn't really what its name implies. Uh, Commando Krav Maga was founded by a man who, like I said, claims that he was involved in the Israeli military. Um, he claims that he was a commando when really he spent his required time in the Israeli military in the infant infantry brigade, um, which is not a commando. He still served, but just not to the level that he said he did. Yeah. Uh, it also was developed for civilian use and has not been adopted by any military in the world. <laughs> so it's just like... It's this thing that he kind of did to sort of shape Krav Maga, which is used by the Israeli military. And he made yeah. it seem like he basically like put a flag and a rock star energy drink next to it and was like, fuck yeah, Krav Maga. <laughs> and then started teaching it to everybody. However, it has been adopted by several small businesses around the United States because of how easy that guy made it to franchise the style. <laughs> Makes sense. All you need to become a certified Commando Krav Maga instructor was three to five thousand dollars, three years of previous martial arts experience, and one long weekend to take a premium seminar. Armando, we could do this. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. We could become cult podcast Commando <laughs> Krav Maga instructors. <laughs> I mean, is it bullshito? Yeah, but everything in yeah, my life absolutely. is bullshito. I don't do shit. Oh my oh, god. Man. We need to do this. And we need to teach it at the Colt Pod Camp. Dude, Colt Pod Camp. I like I know we joke about it, but then occasionally I do some research and I'm like, this could be real. This could be. We could do this. We could do it so easily. Yep. <laughs> After spending a few years teaching the fine folks of Texas how to throw dirt in their opponents' eyes and other very equally weird techniques. Joshua Fabia decided that it was time to start up his own school of self-defense. Only this time, there was a twist. He was going to start incorporating his origins as a spiritual healer. And thus, the school of self was born. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's real fun. Joshua's technique centered around two main philosophies. One, you have to maintain a level of calmness. By tapping into your spiritual side and implementing techniques from yoga and meditation, you could keep a level head, which would ultimately give you the upper hand. Two, you gotta go for the throat and balls. All right? I, <laughs> I cannot stress this enough. How many videos there are of Joshua Fabia giving a demonstration of how to fight where he just hits a man's throat and then grabs the shit out of his balls. Damn. It also appears like he really grabs them too. Like in every demonstration, he's like, so you go for the throat and then you're going to go for the balls. And he hits their balls and you hear them go. Oh. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> fucking terrible. Do you think it's made up or real? Do you think he's actually grabbing people's I balls? I think he's full on grabbing people's nuts. <laughs> he always does it too where he's like, there's videos of him doing this demonstration where he's like, so now I got the throat and the balls. There's nothing he can do. And people laugh and he's like, don't laugh. This is how you win. <laughs> it's so fucking dumb. In order to attract the perfect disciple, Joshua even altered his look and demeanor. 
In his Commando Krav Maga days, he was a loud, cocky bastard rocking camo pants and a tight buzz cut. But when he launched the school of self, he adopted a quiet, meditative tone, and he grew out his hair for that crunchy granola look. And the crunch, by the way, it was balls. The balls were the crunch. <laughs> That's the key, Paige. It's throat and balls. Oat nuts. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and all of these factors made Joshua Fabia and his school of self very attractive to Diego Sanchez, a fighter who was known to have a spiritual side and who was in desperate need of a transformation, one like Joshua Fabia promised to all of his students. Because remember, the spiritual side of this meant that he wasn't just offering you like the ability to fight. He was offering you a spiritual transformation. That is like one of the terms that he used in his advertisement. And after their first encounter in a sweaty gym bathroom, the two began meeting in secret at Diego's home to prepare for his fight against Mickey Gall. And whether it was his newfound anger or Joshua's training, Diego won the fight via TKO, the first stoppage victory that Diego had earned since 2008. It was official. The nightmare was back, baby! Damn! After his success against Mickey Gall, Diego decided to fill the hole that Greg Jackson and the rest of his team had left with Joshua Fabia. The problem is, Joshua was now in charge of everything. He was Diego's coach, trainer, nutritionist, manager, and even acted as the fighter's therapist, although he had no prior experience doing any of those things. There's also a few reports that say that at some point in this relationship, Diego Sanchez gave Joshua Fabia power of attorney over Diego's life. Oh, shit. That's bad. Yeah, real fucking bad. The situation was unorthodox, to say the least, and grabbed the attention of many different fans and news outlets alike. And it wasn't long before Joshua started using his newfound fame to pull off increasingly bizarre stunts in order to promote his disciple. Before Diego's fight against Michael Chiesa in July of 2019, Joshua gave an interview where he claimed that he had warned the Nevada State Athletic Commission that he had taught his fighter a move that could potentially paralyze or even kill his opponent. The move started with the standard guillotine hold, where you hold a fighter, you hold uh, the fighter holds the opponent's head in their hands. And then you turn your waist to face away from your opponent, still holding their head. And then you drop down sharply, forcing them into your shoulder. Although fans of wrestling are probably more familiar with the move's other name, the Stone Cold Stunner. He taught him the Stone Cold Stunner. Yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Signature move. Uh, apparently the move ended where you grab a beer, smash it against your head, and go, fuck yeah. So. <laughs> The fight, this fight, by the way, against Michael Chiesa was the single worst fight of Diego Sanchez's entire career. He was only able to land seven strikes and got completely dominated by his opponent. And while he wasn't forced into submission, the extremely one-sided fight ended in a unanimous decision for Michael Chiesa. And while Diego received his fair share of criticism for his performance, most people chose to focus on Joshua Fabius coaching during the event. 
because the small, smooth, walking man stood ringside and yelled absolutely insane advice like, quote, go, Diego, go, crack that coconut, and Tyson him. I need that Tyson. Does he mean bite his ear off? I think he means bite his ear off, yes. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Have I ever told you that I was there that night? What? Okay. I, I don't... So I was a child. Uh, my dad at the time would travel a lot for work uh-huh. and had a lot of like air miles. And when he would go like speak for an event, part of his fee would include hotel rooms so that we could go with him a lot of the time. And so back in the day, MGM had a theme park and they were trying to make Vegas like a family friendly place. Oh, good luck. So we had been at the theme park and we're walking back and the fight was that night. So we were there the night of like the weigh in and the very next night we're walking through the lobby coming from the theme park to try and like get to a cab or something to get back to our hotel. We weren't staying in the MGM and people just like a crowd of people ran. It was like a stampede, almost a riot. And I remember my dad pulling my sister and I under a bank of phone booths because like this was pre widespread cell phones. So there were still phone Uh booths and us having to like wait and sit under the phone booths until the crowd of people ran through the lobby because he had just bitten the ear off and everything. And then we like finally made our way out. We get to a cab and the cab driver is like, yo, did you just see what happened? And we were like, no. And he was like, Tyson bit that fool's ear off. And we were like, oh my God. And then went back to the hotel room and watched it. But like, it's one of those things that anytime people talk about Mike Tyson that night, I'm like, I remember hiding under that phone. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember the next morning when I went to the buffet and they were like, can I get you a slice of a Vander Holyfield ear? (laughs) I want some of that. Jesus Christ, I had no idea. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, I, it's it's <clears throat> weird. I mean, like, I didn't see it happen. I just, like, crouched down with my family under some payphones as my dad was like, I don't know what's going on, but people are freaking out, and you should stay here and be safe. Yeah, okay, so knowing what you know, imagine if, uh, well, you don't even have to imagine because it fucking happened. Imagine decades later, there's another fight, and a coach of a fighter is yelling on camera around several microphones, Tyson him. I need that Tyson. Oh my God. That's crazy. And Diego's next showing wasn't that much better. In his fight against Michelle Pereira in February of 2020, he spent the entire time in the octagon being dominated yet again. He did this thing, and I want you to to take a note about this because it does become important later. He spent the entire match sort of running away from his opponent and kind of gripping the walls behind him while trying Uh desperately to avoid getting hit. Uh, And he got fucking decimated. Although, he was able to squeak out a win on a technicality. His opponent threw an illegal kick, and at the suggestion of his coach and spiritual leader, Diego decided that he couldn't continue, thus winning by disqualification. The way that it works in UFC is if they feel like a kick was illegal, they will stop the fight, and they will let you kind of recover, and then they'll ask you, hey, that was an illegal move. Do you feel like you can compete or do you feel like you are not able to compete because of that illegal move? 
And if, huh. if you decide that you cannot compete, your opponent is disqualified and you win by disqualification. Although oh, weird. you're kind of familiar already with sort of the vibe of UFC and it's kind of seen like yeah. a bitch move to, to take the disqualification. I mean, I, I understand. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If I'm Evander Holyfield yeah. and I had that choice, yeah, fuck oh, yeah, you. Yeah. I'm not you're gonna bite my other ear, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but uh, but but if it was like, oh, this kick landed slightly different, I could I could see how I would want to continue and, and it would seem like kind of winning on a technicality, but also at the same time, like if somebody did something illegal that would injure me unnecessarily. Yeah. I could understand that if that makes sense. Yeah, it's the I think the situation is very very tricky because on one hand, uh Diego was definitely going to lose. Like he was for right. sure going to lose if it had continued to the full length, he would have lost by decision. Like no fucking question about it. But on the other side, if you're winning very clearly, maybe don't throw illegal moves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you're already going to beat the shit out of somebody to the point where they pass out, you don't really need to start throwing in the extra mustard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you. In, in post fight interviews, uh, Diego called his decision, quote, a veteran move. He said that, he said that given the opportunity, any veteran of UFC would take the, take the disqualification and take that win. Um, and a lot of people kind of disagreed with him, but this controversy seemed to awaken an anger deep inside of Joshua Fabia, a man who was all about calm and inner peace and meditation and yoga. The trainer and spiritual leader began a press tour of any MMA related podcast or show that would allow him to come on as a guest. And these appearances were a mix of confusing monologues that come off like a 14-year-old boy trying to seem deep and then various lies about his background and credentials. Like, he lied about serving in the military. Uh, He lied about where and how he learned Krav Maga. And he even claimed that he, and this is a direct quote, he claimed that he, quote, participated in martial arts his whole life through the actual family tradition of understanding things end quote what yeah i'll say it one more time he participated in martial arts his whole life through the actual family tradition of understanding things that doesn't make no. any sense. I know you repeated <laughs> yeah. it. You don't need to do it again. No, but it's like, like no. a clue. They put it in an escape room where it's like, okay, which words don't make sense? And that's the key to the puzzle. <laughs> Spin the letter wheel. Yeah, like, it makes yeah. no fucking sense. I don't understand what it means. It's also like, that's not a written quote. I watched a video where those words came out of his mouth and I was like, no, but no. <laughs> After this series of ramblings, more members of the UFC community started sharing troubling information about Joshua Fabia and his mysterious methods. In September of 2020, a video was posted online of the guru chasing Diego around an octagon with a knife in an effort to train the fighter to avoid and evade his opponents. So now going back and seeing uh, Diego Sanchez like gripping the wall and desperately running away from his opponent makes a lot more sense when you realize that his trainer was chasing him with a fucking knife and being like, you gotta float like a bee. But also, 
in UFC, correct me if I am wrong, you're scored on hits. Yeah. Like, and, and submission, like, and, and holds. Yeah. So if you just run away from somebody, you're going to lose the whole yeah. time. I feel like like Joshua doesn't understand how UFC no, works. No, he does not. No, he <laughs> he does not. And that is a big criticism that he received from the very beginning. That's why oh that quote about so, so that quote, by the way, where he says, I participated in martial arts my whole life through the actual family tradition of understanding things. That was in response to somebody asking, what's even your credentials to be a coach? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Other things that he said, by the way, is he said uh, one of his other credentials was that he was on he was one of the first players to ever play rugby in New Zealand. I don't know if he ever lived in New Zealand, but that's what he claims. Um, that seems impossible. Rugby has been around for centuries. Yeah, it just uh, it's so I don't I don't understand. I don't understand. And it makes me so upset. Later, another video of Joshua's training sessions found its way onto the internet, and it showed a technique that the guru claimed built up a tolerance to pain. Basically, he would have Diego hang upside down from a pull-up bar while Joshua kicked and punched the shit out of him, essentially turning the fighter into a human punching bag. Yeah, it it makes zero sense. It's It's actually really sad to watch it happen, too. Yeah. In December of 2020, Diego Sanchez launched his OnlyFans account where subscribers could pay to watch workout videos and see shirtless pictures of Diego and his guru together. Although the reason it got the media's attention was because the account was apparently started and run by Joshua Fabia without Diego's prior knowledge. Oh, shit. That's not no. good. He also apparently would uh, regularly DM with people that were subscribing because I guess that's like a feature of OnlyFans. Yeah. Uh, and Diego found out because people would like reference things, I guess, that they had said uh, to him in OnlyFans. And he realized that he had never talked to them. So Joshua Fabia even pretended to be Diego Sanchez through that OnlyFans account. Sheesh. Finally, in Diego's last fight of 2020, the man once hailed as a UFC legend showed up tired, out of shape, and completely unprepared. He was again destroyed in the ring and lost to a unanimous decision, which prompted a whole new series of rants from his spiritual leader. The writing on the wall was obvious to everyone, including Diego himself. At the end of 2020, the fighter announced that he would step into the octagon with fellow UFC legend Donald Cerrone and was planning to finally retire after the fight regardless of the results. The plan made a lot of sense. It's a good, even match fight. It would serve as a nice send-off for one of the UFC's longest-running fighters. You know, it's, it's sweet, it's nice, it's good. But if anyone could fuck it up, if anyone could fuck up a dignified end to Diego Sanchez's career, it was Joshua fucking Fabia. The guru started pressuring UFC and their medical staff to release all of Diego's medical records, citing a concern for the fighter's well-being. The UFC responded by saying that if Joshua, who served as Diego's official coach and manager, was implying that the fighter was unhealthy or unable to perform in any way, he would not be allowed to participate in the fight slated to take place in May of this year. 
And in an act of rebellion against the UFC, Joshua refused to disclose the status of his fighter. And as a result, the UFC was forced to cancel the fight and let Diego Sanchez go. Dang. Yeah. Immediately after the news broke, Joshua began a new press tour claiming that he and his disciple were being maliciously mistreated by UFC and that they feared for their lives because of the dark secrets that they had learned during their time with the company. What? Yeah. He, he was basically like, I'm, you know what? I'm afraid for my life because of the things I know about Dana White. Yeah. I think he might kill me. I think he might come after me. Um, luckily, it seems like Diego had come to his senses. On May 20th, 2021, he announced that he had officially severed all ties with Joshua Fabia and was working to rebuild all of the relationships that had been damaged by his association with the Bullshito trainer. Joshua responded by saying that Diego had basically taken advantage of him for two years. So he kind of did what joshua did which is ironic for a guy who runs a school based on self-awareness to have literally zero self-awareness also i like that he's like he took advantage of me i'm like um i think it's the other way around i think i think you were writing the coattails of a famous fighter oh yeah a thousand percent it's unclear what the future holds for Diego Sanchez. He's hinted at a possible return to UFC or maybe even a venture into boxing. But the fact remains that history will remember him as one of the greatest fighters to ever grace the octagon, despite his career's bizarre ending. And as an added bonus, fans of MMA will always remember Joshua Fabia as the single worst coach in the sport's history. <laughs> <laughs> And Good. that is the story of Diego Sanchez and Joshua Fabia. Yay. Thank you. I'm so glad we got to do this one because this is so different from what we normally do. But yeah, I love it. And it's so oh my God. it's so crazy because it's like clearly a one man cult. You know what I mean? Like it. it yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Very much like somebody had sent it to me and they were like, yeah, this guy like became like his trainer, his nutritionist and like all this shit. And I was like, well, how does that make him a cult leader? That doesn't seem really bad. And then I saw the video of the knife thing and I was like, whoa, that's. <laughs> okay that's that's kind of weird and then i saw the punching bag thing and was like dude what the fuck whoa yeah just like yeah the more and more you learn and read into it just the crazier and weirder it gets and then like i said while trying to research this shit uh i was talking about this with charlotte charlotte mcgrath uh Mm -hmm. and she was telling me like yeah have you looked into like greg jackson or like uh the the origins of ufc and how fucked all that shit is and was like no dude what it's real fucked up oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. it's just like a whole nightmare scenario of shit and uh yeah it, it it's such a crazy story and i'm really glad that we were able to do it like you said it's it's very different from what we normally do but holy shit is it a hundred percent a cult yeah absolutely i think it's really really interesting i'm glad we got to do it uh thank you bobby for sending yeah. us the the info thanks dave uh callens for helping us out with some oh yeah yeah, yeah dave callens from the awful neutral podcast uh, uh which is a show that we guested on uh a while back yeah uh go check that out if you haven't um but yeah it's uh i, I talked with dave yesterday uh about this and he was able to share some more context on certain stuff that really helped out a lot that i thought was uh 
really helpful. I'm not, I'm not the the biggest into. Uh, I call them blood sports. I'm not the biggest into them. They're hard to watch. I'll watch boxing every so often, and I really like it. And I like like the technique and the learning aspects of it because I'm a because I'm kind of a nerd. <laughs> um, but then I but then I realize I'm watching a man get beat up, and it just hurts my heart, and I don't love it. See, I'm the opposite. I don't know why. I could watch UFC all day. I don't know anything about the sport. I don't need to know the drama between them. I don't care. But I love watching people fight. I don't I, I can't explain it. I yeah, I I don't know. I I love it. I do like it a lot, but there's also just like part of it is like I can only watch so much of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes and sense. also there's this weird thing that like it's just locked into my DNA where if there's a Mexican fighter, it's just like I he's got to win. I got to watch this guy. <laughs> I got to watch this guy win. I got to be prideful. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. It doesn't it doesn't express itself in any other way other than just like I'm watching boxing and I'm like, yeah, fucking get him. Let's go. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Crack open a Bud Light out of nowhere. It's crazy. Um, anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Paige, for, for joining us on this episode. Thank you for being. <laughs> yes. As always, as always, as always. <laughs> Uh, so I think for, I mean, that's going to be it. Mm -hmm. So if you like me and my nonsense, uh, or if you want to fight me, uh, no, uh, I'm five foot two. So you'd have to be in my height and weight class. Good luck. Uh, you could find me and challenge me (laughs) at page Wesley on Twitter or at rampage Wesley on Instagram. What? I, um, I realized that like, I'm pretty good. Like I can't fight like most, I couldn't fight most people because I'm in such a higher weight class. Cause I'm tall and big as shit. But then I did a thing where I looked up guys that are in my weight class and they're as tall and big as me, but instead of fat, it's all muscle. They're so big. They're so big. and scary page. Here's a question because we talked about a, a death match earlier on uh, quite a few months uh-huh. ago now having met Blaine in person, do you th- still think? Oh, you 100%. Win? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 And especially if we're going, if we're going like, if we're going no weapons, even more, even more on my side, I think. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think that, I think there's a reason we are all in weight classes and, uh, and, and, and I am, I'm six foot five. I'm very, very large. Blaine, believe it or not, four foot eight. All right. So. <laughs> I would crush him like a bug, which sucks because I'm afraid of bugs. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> I think I could take him, and uh, I think that God, I keep pitching to Rooster Teeth a way that we can do a form of death match, but they seem to. There's like apparently laws against killing another man or something. I don't know. What if we do? Well, okay, roast battle, but I get to train Blaine. <laughs> okay, I think. I would be, I don't think I would win that one, maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I feel like we could do something where like we dress up in like soft suits and just beat the shit out of each other, like a sparring match. I don't know. Like inflatable sumo yeah, wrestler costumes? Yeah, and I yeah. cheat because I don't need one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. If you want, uh, if you want to see, if you want to see me and my training regimen as I prepare to murder Blaine Gibson, um, 
you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that shit at Mondo Dust Stuff. M-A-N-D-O Dust Stuff. Oh, I also have a Twitch uh, channel and I stream. And right now, Paige and I are in the middle, hopefully in the middle of a series on Visage. Yeah. A horrifying horror game that I, hey, guess what I learned? Remember how scary it was playing it towards the end? That's baby yeah. shit, Paige. It, oh, it gets fuck. worse. There's a. It was scary to see how in disrepair that house was and how we could only set beer cans on the <laughs> Virgin statue of Virgin Mary. There's a part in the game where it is pitch black and all you have is a camera and every five seconds you're allowed to take a picture and the only source of light you get is the second that the flash goes off. It's horrifying cool. i'm ha- i had such a great time playing with you we're, we're streaming on twitch the hours are inconsistent i'm trying to figure out a regular schedule but you know life is a lot going on so we'll figure that out but the first part of that is up on my youtube page uh it's uh you can just search it up armando torres page wesley visage on youtube and you can find that you or you can go to my social media and there's a link to it in all of my bios um yeah and if you're looking for a new place to listen to the show, can we suggest Rooster Tea? Cock-a-doodle doo! Yeah! Rooster Tea is a great place to watch a bunch of really fun content, including my new favorite show, Camp Betrayal. I've been watching Camp Betrayal religiously. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I'm rooting for Charlotte. I'm rooting oh, me for too. Charlotte. I'm rooting for Charlotte hardcore. And I. <laughs> I mean, this isn't a secret. The ep- the show has already been filmed. Uh, the conclusion is already known to the people that are involved. I have threatened every single person involved that if they tell me what happens, I will fucking murder them. <laughs> also, if you're a fan of Mondo, you can hear his voice in the last. Oh episode. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a I was a cameo. I was a ghost. Those were really fun to record. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god they told me that i was gonna play jesus christ and i was like oh cool i'll do like a jesus voice and then i didn't realize what jesus sounded like and then it turns out jesus doesn't factor into it at all no no nope, no they no. just told me that when i recorded it so i don't know why they told me that <laughs> i also they took they took uh they took the least weird take because they were basically like yeah just do it five times and by the end of it i was saying some nonsensical weird shit and i got real real dark with it anyway yeah, I cameoed on that. Also, uh, uh, we do I do the Funhouse podcast every Tuesday. Go check that out. Um, but there's so much great content on there that you can watch, that you can listen to. Uh, and part of that is our show. Our beautiful, lovely, wonderful, weird, <laughs> absorb the energy of lightning strikes show, uh, cult podcast. And you can go to roosterteeth.com or you can download the app on your Amazon Fire Stick, your Roku television, your Xbox, your mobile device uh and watch all of that shit there it's super cool awesome go check it out and uh if you're looking to follow the show you can do so on instagram at cult podcast or on twitter at cult podcast show you can also send us an email to cult podcast show at gmail.com if you want to send us the stalks of asparagus that you have not eaten you can send those <laughs> to 3756 west avenue 40 sweet k number 237 like, like the, the shining, shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. Worst part about that, by the way, is that he was biting the stalks off, putting them, or biting the heads off, putting them into a blender, and then using them to make a shake. Just FYI. What? Yeah, he's a weird guy. I love him. (laughs) 
Uh, and I think for this, I'm going to say don't drink asparagus shakes. That sounds gross. Oh, yeah. It's fucking disgusting. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.